Ace Podcast. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens Brown paper packages tied up with strings These are a few of Blood and Black Rum Podcast here with the Festivus series With holiday classics like Krampus Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 And more! Tune in all this December for your favorite Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from the moonisdeadworld.net. I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it going? And uh, we're back with the special episode of the Festivus series. If you've been following along with all of my postings on social media, um, you'll know that I posted a little bit of about it uh Right before Christmas, like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, I posted like a little, like a little blurb about what our special episode would be, and then again I posted today on my Facebook page uh, the the special picture that we'll use for for this episode. So if you caught that, you know what episode we're talking about today. But for the rest of you, this was kept a secret. It was a a very secret episode of the Blown and Black Rum podcast, um, and. It's also our 50th episode, so that makes that makes sense. It's like a commemoration of the episodes, and, um, you know, we wanted to keep it a little bit of a secret, so. Though, to be fair, after, like, the hints, mm. saying it's got four sequels and not really... Not super, not a super Christmassy movie. It, but it's it is great, a but Christmas it's, movie. But, but it's, it's considered the greatest Christmas movie ever made. Um, it, it's, uh... We're about five years <laughs> late on the joke, but, uh... And I think we even talked a little bit about Die Hard... Previously, when we talked about doing the Festivus series um, in previous episodes, so like we dropped hints about that as well. So, um, I think I just said it there. I kind of revealed it. And, we're and, doing and, Die Hard in passing, but if you check the title, you'd know anyway. So we're doing Die Hard, and um, should just name this episode a very special Festivus series. Yeah, you know. but then then or. It's, then it's hard. People don't know whether to tune in or not. Well, make it clickbaity then. That's you'll, true. You'll yeah, never you'll, believe. You'll never th- believe the Christmas movie that we cover for this episode. <laughs> Click now. Yeah. And then have ten pa- pages of ads and like make sure every time like we reveal something, you gotta you know click on the button to show like another picture. Mm-hmm. 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 Should just make the picture like uh that you made. Like make three hundred little cutouts for it and make it like a puzzle. Oh yeah! So like, every time you like hit like there's like three hundred times you gotta hit like the next yeah. like, next button until that would yeah that wow that would be annoying <laughs> that'd be super annoying. I wouldn't put it past like BuzzFeed and other sites like that to start doing shit like that. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, we chose Die Hard because it is the greatest Christmas movie ever. Um, greatest action movie ever. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more <laughs> on the episode, which I want to talk about. It, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I don't want to get into that right now because we don't. We you know we do the introduction mm-hmm. thing and then we go into what we're drinking. Mm-hmm. I don't. There's not a lot of time right in this area for me to talk about. I want to elaborate. Yeah, exactly. Spoil everything. So so we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. But yes, I mean it, I like it for its for the action movie aspect of it. I certainly. Th- I will say that uh, this viewing of Die Hard for me was probably my first in a long time. I, I have not watched this movie in probably ten years. I want to say it hasn't been that long for me. It's been like just a couple. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm gonna say like a decade uh, because I I honestly don't remember the last time that I watched this. Um, with that they, said, I mean, I say they used to play on FX. Oh yeah, the yeah, they used to play it all the time. And then as soon as they could play "Live for Your Die Hard," the fourth <laughs> one that was on, I remember. Fucking, there was a good stretch of time, like uh, DVD on FX. It mm-hmm. was one of the X Men films. You know, they always played those goddamn X Men films and "Live for Your Die Hard." Yeah, with Justin Long. And I, I will say too that I haven't, I haven't seen many of the sequels for Die Hard. I've seen Die Hard three again, long time ago. And I've seen, no, that's it. So Die Hard and Die Hard 3 are the only two that I've seen in the series. Um, Now, you say that Die Hard 2 is definitely worth a viewing. It's not bad. It's not a bad film. I mean, Die Hard 3, now we're getting into that territory of, like, this is really not that good. Like, in terms of, like, action, even in terms of action films, which can often be ridiculous and over the top, but still enjoyable, Die Mm. Hard 3 is hitting the limit of like where that can go. Like it, now, this is just getting too even too ridiculous. Die, die, basically, Die Hard Two is a retread of Die Hard One, which is what I think. Which I said before, I said in the movie, which should be it fit. sounds like Die Hard and Die Hard Two are the Home Alone of action movies because Home Alone and Home Alone Two are basically the same movie, just set in different areas. Well, there's a, there's a, like I said, there's a bunch of films like that came out around that time. If they had a sequel, it's literally a total retread. Yeah. Um, Exact same thing, but just change up a little bit. Like, Die Hard 2 is the location. You're not in Nakatomi Plaza anymore, because John McClane says mm-hmm. in Die Hard 1, he's not going up mm-hmm. on any high buildings anymore, so <laughs> rather than do that, we're going to put him on a plane. Yeah. Speed, that's another one, because Speed 1, mm-hmm. it's not a bus. Speed 2, same plot, it's not a boat this time. Without Keanu Reeves. Sandra Bullock. Yeah, but without Keanu Reeves. Well. That's a problem. Well, I think the main problem is there's no Jeff Daniel. <laughs> yeah, well, he's dead. He can't come back. <laughs> he's dead. That, although that would be great if somehow they were like, no, 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 no he no. was in rubble. He's <laughs> he's fine. Legs are yeah, gone, no. but he's fine. Well, he already had a limp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> he already had a limp, so. <laughs> yeah. Dennis Hopper's yeah. back with a robotic head. You know. Yeah, like, no, he's, he's fine. He's fine. Um, Looking for vengeance. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, there's a lot of problems with speed, too, but. One of them is that they're missing Keanu I don't, Reeves and Jeff Daniels. I don't, I don't remember Speed 2 at all. Well, that's, that's because it's not very good. I will say, I have seen Speed like 15 times because I owned it on VHS and I always wanted to watch it. See, I've seen Speed about 15 times too because I remember they used to always play it on TV and I'd always mm-hmm. watch it. Speed 2 I did have on VHS. I only like watched it like once or yeah, twice. I've seen a, I've seen Speed 2 and once. I, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. couldn't be bothered to no. like remember it. No. But back to Die Hard. Um... Yeah, so this was a refresher for me, because I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen it in probably a decade, Um, and I definitely noticed a lot of things about it that I didn't really remember before, or just never really realized when I watched it, because I would have been, what, like, 15 
maybe when I watched it the last time, something like that. Yeah. So it just didn't really, you know, critically analyze or watch. Not that you could really critically analyze Die Hard in, in so much depth, but. Um, Are you sure about that? Well, I don't know. We're going to try. <laughs> we'll definitely try. But first, let's talk about some of our beer exploits, ex- expeditions, because. Um, been a busy week. Yeah, it's been a busy week. Obviously, it was Christmas. Merry Christmas to you all. Um, and uh, we realize this Festivus episode is coming after Christmas. But that doesn't mean you can't won't listen to it next Christmas. Keep it on your phone, download it, keep it on your phone, listen to it next Christmas. When you're watching Die Hard. That's right, that's right. Um, so Christmas, obviously, is a time for receiving and giving alcohol. And um, I know that I got a growler from our local brewery in Troy, New York, which is called Browns. My sister got me a growler for Christmas. Uh, and that growler was filled with their Dunder and Blixum Strong Ale. Um which we've had before. Mm-hmm. We have not had it on the podcast. That was a couple years ago when we had it. Uh, one of it, it's still a Christmas story, though. One of our friends brought it to our drinking with the cranks uh, um, night, where we watch Christmas with the cranks and we go through a drinking game, which is a very, very difficult drinking game. And we'll talk about that in a second. Too. We'll talk about it. And I posted the rules on Facebook um, previously. I think like a week ago when we yeah. did it. Um, so they're on there. But, uh, yeah, so he brought this Dunder and Blixum strong ale to the drinking game. And we didn't really realize that it was a strong ale at that point. So we started No, because drink- he, he didn't say he didn't know what it was. He no, said, right, I guess, exactly. like, ah, oh, just give me something Christmassy. Yeah, he didn't know. Yeah, he just wanted something like wintry, Christmassy, anything that they had named like that. So he brought this Dunder and Blixum strong ale, and we're starting to drink it. And, man, is it is it heavy. It's, it is a heavy beer. It's it's a high alcohol percentage because it's a winter warmer. That's that's exactly what it's supposed to be. It, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm going to guess like 8%. It is like, it's like 9. Yeah, 8 it's or like, 9%. It's, it's, like, it's like Jenny's winter warmer. Yeah. It's pretty... Which is going to be pretty hardy. And this game entails a lot of different rules. Um, if you've ever seen Christmas with the Cranks, you'll know that uh, the most spoken words in it are Luther, Christmas, and Frosty. And those are three of the rules, is that you have to drink every time they say Luther, Christmas, or Frosty. And that's really difficult because that happens sometimes in all, all in one sentence. Like, Luther, uh, we're not skipping Christmas, put up Frosty. Like, that's something that you might hear within the within the film. Or a chant of free Frosty, free Frosty, free Frosty. Mm. Uh, so it becomes a lot. It's, at first, it seems like it's not that much. Yeah. Like, it seems like, oh, this is a really easy game. I don't know why this is so hard. And then as you go through, it becomes like, like uh, you know, the power hour. Where it's, it's j- basically just taking a, taking a drink every single minute. Uh, And not only those three words, but you get Christmas, or uh, no, I said Christmas, Um, you get um, when Luther's mean to a cat, which admittedly that only takes place a couple of times in that, but but still, it becomes a lot after a while. And Hickory Honey Him. And Hickory Honey Him. And we also added this year, we put a little Santa hat on the side of the TV, so anytime somebody was wearing it, you also had to take a drink, so. It was pretty miserable, and I was drinking Natty Light the entire time. Well, that was this year. Yeah. But the strong ale was also miserable. It was, yeah, no, they were both miserable. Cause even with the Natty Light, yeah, it went down easy, but whole, yeah. It's you, the carbonation. You felt the beer belly. Yeah, it's the, car, it's the carbonation of it because you're constantly taking a drink. You're getting the carbonation and the air that you're sucking in. Mm. 
And it's just, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's awful. Granted, I, you do, like, you're like, oh, just do a Moscow meal. Be like, you know, just drink Moscow meal. Yeah. Like, it's easy. You, you won't feel it, but then you'll be like that. Yeah. Out, throwing up in the toilet. Like, That's right. Not knowing what the hell happened. Yeah. It's, I advise everybody to do it. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, with a group of friends. It's fun. It but, is fun. But be prepared. You're going to get your ass kicked. It's torture. Yeah. It really is. Like, even, like, through the middle of the movie... You're gonna start feeling like wow. Yeah, not even not even so much if you're drinking something light like a light beer. Not I'm not even drunk. Well, I say I know by the end because I didn't drink something with because Natty Lights only got like three and a half alcohol. So I wasn't real. I was a little buzzed, slightly buzzed. Wasn't drunk, but I was definitely fucking bloated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I drank like something like like if you're drinking like uh, just like a like a Bud heavier like something like that. Yeah, then you'd be gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 tough. But I think that the hardest part for me is just the the beer belly. Yeah. That, that's that's really hard. Um but the Dunder and Blixum Strong Ale from Browns is really good. Uh, I like it a lot. I think it's it's a pretty classic winter warmer. You get some of that nutmeggy, spicy flavor to it. Uh heavy. Um, doesn't have ra- notes of raisin like the genuine no, winter warmer. It water. doesn't. So but that's it does, good. <laughs> it does have that alcohol kick to it. Yeah. You can definitely when you pop open that when I popped open the growler, you definitely could smell the alcohol coming out of it. So, but it's very good. I like it a lot. Yeah. I'd recommend if you uh, if you live in the area, if you if you uh, visit New York and especially like the the uh, capital region, hit up Troy's Browns Brewery. It's, it's a nice place. We've been there personally. Um, it's really good. Also, uh, I happened to pick up the New Belgium, uh, I guess it's a winter pack. Um, It has a winter ale in it, so I'm saying it's a winter pack. Um, It's called the New Belgium Folly Pack, and I picked it up at our store because it was on sale for $11.99. It's really cheap for a New Belgium pack around here. Um, Normally, they probably are like $16.99, something like that, so I I couldn't beat it, so I had to pick it up. Um, And this one has... Their winter ale in it, which is a two below, uh, which is actually quite hoppy. Uh, it's more like a sort of a pale ale style with with uh, ha- some heavy malt presence in it, um, which I thought was really good. Um, it also has the citradelic, which we talked about on here. It's a tangerine IPA, and um, it has their regular fat tire, which is their pretty much standard amber ale. Um, and the new one that they have in there is the uh, Ben and Jerry's chocolate chip cookie dough ale. Which is kind of an experiment for them. So it's it's definitely a strange beast, not something that you would often see people making. No, but I will say that I I really enjoy it. I think it's really good. I I do like chocolate chip cookie dough anyway, but I think it's really good. No, it's definitely a really good dessert beer. Um, and that's what we're drinking right now, by the way, so that we could give you a breakdown yeah. of it. Um, I know I like it a lot. It's a really good dessert beer. Like you definitely taste. Definitely taste the chocolate chip and the cookie dough. I do, yeah. It's literally as if you're taking a scoop of you know chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream and putting it in to your mouth, and you get you get that like ice cream sweetness from it, and it tastes just like the ice cream. And then on the back end, you get slight malt, slight hop. And I think on the back end, you get a lot of that cookie dough flavor too. Yeah. I really like that that final swallow of the of the. The yeah, the cho- yeah the, like the chocolate chips, like on the front, yeah. and then on the back yeah. you get the beer and with like the cookie dough. It's good. Um, I could never imagine sitting down and drinking a whole shit ton of these. I don't know. I feel like I could. I mean, I, I'm already done with mine, but maybe maybe it's hitting me right, like right now. I mean, mm. it is it is going for you know nine o'clock. It's kind of that time where you mm. maybe are sitting down for a dessert beer. 
something like that. Um, but I, I really enjoy it a lot. I mean, I, got, I didn't think I would like it as much as I do, honestly. It's definitely a strange beast. Um, I think it's an acquired taste. I don't see a lot of people like running out and being like, I love this chocolate chip cookie dough. I animal. would never get a 12 pack of it. Well, I don't think it comes in a 12 pack. No, I'm, like, no, it doesn't. Six pack. I mean, no, I, I know it doesn't, but I'm saying if they did, I would never, I, mm, I wouldn't. Cause I mean, that's uh that's a lot of chocolate chip I'd be dough. sitting on it for like a while. Like, yeah. okay, am I feeling like that? Yeah. Um, no, but I, I mean, I I definitely think that this is gonna be for a certain beer drinker. It's not for everybody, and you got to be in the mood for it. I agree yeah. to that. Um, but it's just, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, I'm not always in the mood for like an ex- especially hoppy beer. Or it's it's kind of like the same thing. Um, that you got to be in the mood for it, and you do have to like like chocolate chip cookie dough because it is pretty much exactly like yeah. that flavor so if you don't like chocolate chip cookie dough which is amazing not I, would gonna... lo- I would love to know how they did it how well they they melted down ice cream obviously and then they put it in beer that's i think that's obvious i mean no, i think but yeah no i would lo- I'd love to know how they like figured that one out and who, um and who smoked like a bunch of joints <laughs> to figure that ben one. and jerry did ben and jerry um, did yeah and they were like eh. they call up new belgium they're like Hey, you, you guys, you we like your beer. Yeah. We're we're pretty high right now. What do you think about doing some chocolate chip cookie dough ale? And the guy at New Belgium is like, you know what? I'm really high right now too. It sounds like a great idea. I could go for some of that. And then that's where the that's where the idea started. That's what I'm thinking. Um, I gotta say that I'm pretty impressed with the New Belgium Folly Pack. I I like it quite a bit. Um, yeah, they make really good beer. Yeah, they do. I like that Citradelic Tangerine IPA. Yeah, that's. And it's, it's really unique. good. Yeah, it's it's unique. It's unique. Um, I like their two below. I don't think you had that one yet. I haven't now. Uh, but it's really good. It's a nice. It's an I. I like that it's a little change up from the normal winter warmers. Not not super spicy or not meggy, but it does have a, a a hop kick to it, but also a heavy malt end as well. See that to me reminds me of like if it's if it might be like Saranac's Big Moose Ale. Could be when they used to do that, and that would be in their winter pack, and that was like uh, an American. Was an American pale ale, but it was it was like a malty, mm-hmm. of malty but still very hoppy. Yeah, ale, which I mean, that's what it sounds fit, like. Definitely yeah. fit like the fine line between a pale ale and a IPA. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of I'm sad they don't make their big moose anymore. Mm-hmm. Grand, I mean, it doesn't really seem like they're even. Not just them. It seems like a lot of places aren't really going with like the seasonal type beers now. They're just kind of releasing, you know, shit willy nilly. Kind of. Because, yeah. like, again, this Folly Pack isn't really wintry outside the two below. I yeah, mean, the not coo- really. I wouldn't associate specifically the cookie dough to be... Like a winter yeah, style? Yeah, the, yeah, you're right. Same yeah. with the Tangerine IPA, I mean. You know, and I almost picked up Brooklyn's Winter Pack, too, mm-hmm. which is like a dark... Uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was something... It was like a dark amber beer or something like that. Um, I almost picked that up instead of the New Belgium Folly Pack, but... The new Belgium was on sale for eleven ninety nine. I said I can't pass this up. I almost got both, but then I thought that would be, and I'd have a surplus of beer. Didn't there's really. no, well, there's no such thing. Well, that's true. There's no such thing. Um, but I did see they're getting their spring packs out. Have you seen that? No, don't even start. I think I'm Sam already, Adams I'm has already their spring ma- packs. Out. I'm already mad that Sam Adams is releasing a a fucking their hopskade, their hoppy wheat mm-hmm. ale. Mm-hmm. So now they're just base again. This like goes back to me saying they're just. Fucking throwing hops yep. and everything. So now what they're doing is, to, I haven't tried it. I will eventually try. It. We'll probably get it at Beer Fest. It'll probably. Oh yeah, yeah. We're because we're going in February to Saratoga's Beer Fest. So yeah. look but, for us. 
we'll be handing out our business cards. No, I'm just kidding. We don't have any business cards yet. I could um, make some for it. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. That'd be a interesting set up, thing. Set up an, um, Do you like horror? Do you like movies and beer? Well, then we're the podcast for you. Uh, <laughs> we'll bring our microphone. You sounded, yeah, that sounded like a kind of crappy like uh, version of Kuwabara. You were, Do you like movie? You were like you were like one syllable away from it. Like, You're messy, no. <laughs> but no, anyway, yeah, yeah. I saw that they had their Hoppy Cascade. And I was and I read the description on it because I was like, what the hell is this? And it's just like a uh, weed ale, but with Hoppy now. Mm-hmm. 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 So like what? The, like I just saw oh, what the hell? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they. Do, I don't know why they feel like they need to add hops to everything. But it's not just, it's not just them though. It's everybody. But I gotta say, I gotta. I gotta That's say why I that. like. This is why I like this cookie dough. Beer. This is this isn't hoppy. It's something I mean, new. I gotta say though that I, I'm excited to try the spring packs just because I always get excited for change. So well, you better be excited because within a month those spring packs being out, summer ale's coming back. That's right, and I'll be back for nine months. Okay. Fuck that. All right. Before we move into our discussion on Die Hard. I just wanted to throw a shout out because um, I think we mentioned in the last episode that we had a, a, a Patreon subscriber, um, but I really wanted to shout out to Joseph Charlesworth who pledged a dollar. He's our first pledge and uh, we really appreciate it. So um, make sure that you check out our Patreon because we I did add a few offers to our Patreon because before I wasn't really offering anything. In general, you're supposed to give a reward out for you know people who contribute to your podcast. Before our reward was, hey, we get to make more shows. But now that we're kind of, we're we're into it a little bit more, we're up to episode fifty. We kind of I gotta up the stakes a little bit. Um, so you know if you pledge a dollar or more a month, uh, we'll give you a shout out like I just did with Joseph. Uh, so thank you, Joseph. Uh, you're our first shout out. Um, if you pledge $5 or more per month, we'll let you pick a series of episodes for us to cover on the podcast. Uh, you can sit, you can do a set of random films. You can pick five of them. Uh, you can do a film franchise like Lethal Weapon, or I even said Rob Schneider movies. Oh God. (laughs) I said anything goes. So feel free to get creative and make it hard because this is, it's meant to kind of be a test for us. Can you imagine doing like... All of Rob Sh- five Rob Schneider movies um, in a row. No, I can't. That would be fucking terrible. That would be worse than doing Saw. So pledge five dollars or more, and you can make us do that. Um, and then I did ten dollars or more. We'll do a complete script read through <laughs> as an episode, and then we'll also make sure that we get you in the credits of our episode as well. So you could pick things, and I even I even brought this to Martin. I said, you know, for our Die Hard episode, we should do an entire script read through with voices. So one of us would be John McClane. And one of us would be uh, his wife. <laughs> and we would go through and do a, a script read-through like that. And it, a complete script read-through. So that is $10 a month. Um, so check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast. Um, you, if you feel like giving to us, uh, we really appreciate it. If you don't, that's fine too. We are just happy to do this for free and... And have listeners. Um, also, another shout out to Ace Podcast Network. We really appreciate them, uh, including us as part of their podcast network. You should really check out the Ace Podcast Network website. It's acepodcastnetwork.com. They have a lot of great uh, podcasters, including the uh, Moderately Informed Podcast, uh, the Cuda Cast, Beware and Warning, um, and Don't Wake the Kids. So 
Um, we're, we've joined a great network full of very uh, worthy individuals um, that you should listen to. So we appreciate them including us on there. Uh, so check out the website, acepodcastnetwork.com. And you know, give our, our network podcast some love. All right, on to Die Hard. Yeah! All right, let's do this. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Because you should have said a little bit more like Hans Gruber. <laughs> Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. <laughs> I can't really do it. Well, it's, it's hard. We gotta be, I know. You got to be an Englishman pretending to have a German accent. I know, right? Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Or I could be an Englishman pretending to have a German accent, pretending to have a Southern accent. <laughs> I could do that. I I don't think I could do that. So I guess in that sense, Alan Rickman, nice job. Well, he is a great actor. I know. I know. Um, yippee ki yay, motherfucker! I can't. I can't do it. It just comes out too uh, too truncated. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, instead of my terrible accent, let's get on to the actual talk about Die Hard. So, Die Hard is absolutely a Christmas movie. Some people would argue that it's not. It takes place on Christmas Eve. It takes place on Christmas Eve. Though I am disappointed with the amount of decorations that is present in Die Hard, there are a few. There are Christmas trees. There's a big Christmas tree in the Nakatomi Plaza lobby on the 30th floor. Um, there is a Christmas tree in, like, the security area. And there's some lights out and around. So... It is definitely a Christmas movie. You can watch it for Christmas, and you should totally, you know, if if anybody is questioning you when you say, you know, I want to watch Die Hard, you know, tell them that Blood and Black Rum podcast said it's a Christmas movie, and a bunch of other people. That's right. That's right. Um. All right. So, where should we start? Where should we begin? I I, I know that with with this film, maybe we should start with how how do you think it holds up now? So, As opposed to when you first saw it. Still a great action film. I agree. I it's think a, it's I, a good a, it's a great action film. I think um I, I think it does a lot of things right. And I think it does a lot of things now that a lot of modern day action films can't get right. Mm-hmm. Um if you if you never seen this film and you've seen a bunch of other action films like of today you would probably be kind of underwhelmed by some of the action in this. Even though there is quite a bit, because this was made in the 80s. The heyday of action films, you know, Schwarzenegger, yeah. Stallone. So, this is right up that alley. But I think, I think and yeah, this film, too, is two hours long, plus. Over. Two, 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 two hours and 12 minutes, basically. Yeah. So, but it doesn't feel like it. This film doesn't drag at all. It's got really good pacing. And so, though I, I gotta disagree with you there. In watching now, I do think there is an excess of conversation between John McClane and um, Al Powell on the intercom when they're talking to each other. When he's down in this, when Al Powell, who's played by the the fabulous Reginald Vell Johnson, who apparently went through a name change where he was credited with Vell Johnson with the J uncapitalized, and now and actually goes by Vell Johnson with the J capitalized. Not that that matters, but anyway. Um, but but I think there's too much conversation in those middle scenes with John McClane and Al Powell because I, I I understand why it's important. I understand that it's setting up you know this whole cop dynamic 
Like, these guys know better than the, the police chief, and they know better than the FBI and stuff like that. They're, they've been in the shit, if you excuse my language. Um, but at the same time, I do feel like that drags on a bit too long. I think that middle portion is too long. See, I agree. I See, I was, I was going to say, except those scenes, they, there's a little bit too much that talking, you know, very slow interaction between uh, Bruce Willis and Reginald Bill Johnson. However... Where I'm willing to give it a pass, though, because one, again, it's a late '80s film, so comparatively speaking, it's not like it's not like it's a new trick back then that they're doing now. No, like, it's like basically like exposit dumps. Yeah, that is exactly because they are they, that they, is what it is. They are exposit dumps. Yeah, yeah. But so it's not really new, but at the same time, it's done in a smart way. It's like an actual believable exposit dump. It is. Where you're having these two people interacting. Right, because... And learning more about each other. Because Whereas you can think of Al as us, as the viewer, <laughs> he, yeah, who no, is... Not, he's, he doesn't really know what's going on in there, and so John McClane is providing as much information as possible so that he can give it to anybody else who's going who's gonna to mm. try to save them from the terrorists. So yeah, I mean, I I think the expository stuff works in the sense that this would actually happen in the film, but I don't know if we need to see all of it. Like I said, you could totally do a supercut of this film with just Reginald Bell Johnson and Bruce Willis on the intercom and make it a love story of them <laughs> falling in love over the intercom as Bruce Willis contemplates suicide. Because and I I totally think that there's enough footage there where that would work cutting out a few yeah, extraneous bits where they talk about you know like when he's when he gives his uh final you know love, tell my wife yeah, yeah love stuff to to holly i and even that maybe you could cut no you know you could put it you could put it like he's he's talking about reginald Bell johnson yeah. in there and he said no you can say it to her <laughs> like you know they're talking yeah. to each other you know I think that I think that could still work, and I I I would love to see somebody supercut it, and I may try it myself. No, I'm, just, I'm not that skilled with editing. Um, but. but no, I mean I I agree. It's it comes off as totally corny and and not necessary. But again, because when I think about it too, one of the things that stands out. I mean, John McClane, you get a good sense of his personality and character. By his actions, what he does, and and what he says, but also his interaction too with with Reginald Bell Johnson also yeah. enhances that. I think of other modern day like action films, like for instance, Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of pretty action. None it's of the characters have fun. any characterization, yeah, no, and they and they and they do. And, and they have those exposit dumps. Where, That's and, true. And, and I, same thing with Batman v Superman. Like, oh, it's got the pretty action, but the, no characters in those films have any character, have any dynamics to them where you can relate and see them as being believable. Um, and, and what they still do, those exposit dumps, and they still do the, those like kind of interactions like this film does... But they're nowhere near as good. They're nowhere near as effective. So that's why I'm willing to give this a pass. Because at the end, yeah, it's not... Uh, trust me. Exposit dumps are never a good thing. No. You always want to... Again, you don't, ha- you don't have to be a screenwriter to know. You always no. want to show. You don't want to have to tell. So when you have to get into like the nitty gritty, like just cram shit in there so people can be caught up. And like, oh, this is why this is happening. It's never a good thing. But those interactions between the two... 
you know, it it builds like John's character as like you know angry, pissed off. He's he's a veteran cop. He knows and yeah. And Reginald, he knows too because he's been there. And the police chief, he's an asshole. He doesn't know what you know. I agree. I mean, I think that maybe just cutting down on some of them would have been a little bit better. You could have cut out a few scenes and actually cut out quite a bit of the runtime in order to sit, you know, save save on some of that. Cut it down to maybe like a more manageable two hours. Or an hour and fifty. Something well, like it's that. not just those two, because again, like the the whole first like eight minutes of the film, yeah, uh, I mean, Bruce Willis and the fucking limo with the limo driver is again, it's an exposit dump, just like to get like a character, like a little it, bit more. It, ba- on, it absolutely is, and I to think, get background again, on him. I think again, those aren't really necessary because we're gonna see all that later on. We're gonna see that he is a cop with training. We're gonna see that we're gonna get the motive behind Hans Gruber and the rest of his. His, because even then, you know, when when they're going through their process of drilling into the the vault and everything, and, and interviewing um, uh, Takagi, um, they they kind of go into their whole process. So we don't really need that exposition entirely for when when John actually gives it to Powell. I don't, I don't think we need it entirely, but I I do think that yes, it does serve a purpose. Maybe just cut down a little bit on it. I think there's another place that we can cut down too. And that's the unnecessary news reporting. That we, whole bit's not necessary. We don't need at that all. at all. Although it's funny. Although it really makes news reporters look like assholes. I don't think we need it. No. I do, I do love that scene where they're just showing the guys or the guy, the the news reporter and uh, the other woman news reporter, and they're interviewing the man who wrote a book about hostages <laughs> and their and their victims, or uh, in their um, in relationship their, uh, relationship with their with their uh, the captors, uh, whatever they call. Yeah, I can't the remember hostage and, and captors. captors yeah, yeah. Um, and they, uh, you know, he says something about uh, the Helsinki the Helsinki syndrome, and the guy and the news reporter just bursts in with, uh, and that would be, <laughs> and that would be in Sweden. <laughs> and uh the the one guy is the the producer's just shaking his head like no no and the guy and the writer's like no finland <laughs> yeah it's hilarious though i i do like that part i do think it's funny it it, it uh inserts a, a little bit of comedy here and there which diehard really does a breath of brevity yeah and diehard does that multiple times on purpose not so much you know it is ridiculous and you do get to laugh at certain sequences in the action because it kind of seems outrageous, like a like one of the times where the terrorist does a flip over a table unnecessarily, <laughs> uh, straight out of Day of Anger, our yeah. first episode. No, we didn't review that. We did Man Prime Vengeance. Oh, that's right. That's we right. never reviewed that's it. That's right. We didn't review. We didn't review it. Day of Anger. We did not review. That's right. I forgot. Huh. Never mind. Would have been great if we did. Would have been great. Um, but. Other than those like com- unintentional comedic moments, Die Hard is filled with a lot of actual comedy that's supposed to break up some of the darker, mm. denser territory. Mm. Um, and I, I do like what Die Hard does with Hans Gruber, too. Because it, every villain does need a flip side. They can't be completely villainous. They can't be like so evil henchman-like that you, you don't have even a semblance of humanity to them mm. anymore because then you're getting into like caricature territory. It's like you didn't very, re- you didn't really expand on this character. No one is completely evil. They have family. They were raised by a mother and father. They may 
be terrible people most of the time and kill a lot of people, but they still have some semblance of humanity unless they're a complete psychopath or something like that. Yeah. But they're not interesting to watch anyway. That the, the interest in a psychopath is not that they're completely evil, but how their mind works, and, and that's what, why and American Psycho and what works so do, well. Yeah. Um, because it is, it is, that is following them precisely mm-hmm. and what they're doing with this though, with, uh, Hans Gruber, Alan Rickman does a really good job of giving two sides to this character. You know, he, yeah, he is an evil guy. He's, he's in this for money, but at the same time, he does have the semblance of humanity. Like when Holly comes in and asks him if he can, if she can get a sofa for this pregnant lady. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know what? She can't go in the room to the sofa, but I'll bring one out to her. That's just him being smart, like a smart, you know, captor, though. Like, well, the, I, I mean, I agree, I agree, but, like, you no, know, you're right. He's not like the, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's not counting know. his money at the desk and twirling no. his mustache. If he doesn't have to kill people, he won't kill Right, exactly. Yeah. His his plan, this whole Nakatomi Plaza thing, yeah, it's going to kill people more. They're going to they're gonna blow it up. Yeah. But while he's there, he's going to be generous. And let them go to the bathroom and not soil themselves while they're, you know. I know, but like again, like the whole. It's not. It's not no, because again, it's not necessarily that they were going to kill the hostages because they weren't. That's the, true. The whole they plan could have released them. Yeah, the whole plan was like so when they go to get you know taken you know because they ask they're going to ask for you know to be taken by helicopter to L.A. airport so they can you know then flee. The whole point is they're going to detonate the explosives, not to kill people, so it makes it look like they died in the explosion, yeah. they can get out the back, and, you know, yeah. that's yeah. how they're going to get away with it, because they're they, like, oh, like, oh, they're dead, so. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it's wishful thinking to think that they would be able to get obvious, the well, out. Yeah. But, I, but I, at I, the same time, I mean, I, I do think that Hans Gruber has that semblance of humanity. He doesn't really want to hurt anybody that he doesn't have to. Obviously, he wants to make it as easy as possible for them to just get the money and then get out of there. Yeah. Um. But I, I do like that little bit. And I like that he has this, uh, a, a humorous side, too. Like, this guy isn't all, like, sinister and brooding. You know what I mean? He's mm. he's he's on the intercom saying, it's it's Christmas, you know? There, <laughs> you there's want miracles, your, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? He's not totally brooding. I like that about him. I'm Some people may not. They may not like that injection of humor into this film. That makes it kind of, you know, it, yes, it's it's dark. It's about terrorists. It's about a shooting in a in a building, which doesn't really go over well nowadays. Um, but at the same time, it does have that lightheartedness to it and that playfulness that I think makes it stand out from some of the other action films. Some other action films go completely off the wall. They're not dark at all. Like, they don't have any... Like, when you're watching, you're not thinking, like, real people are getting killed in this movie. You're thinking, like, these mannequins are getting killed. Because it doesn't really seem like these are even real people. Yeah. This isn't one of those films. But at the same time, it's not taking itself completely seriously either. And I do like that a lot. Yeah, I think it's important, too, for an action film to... An action film has to have a balance of action and seriousness and comedy. Yeah. Um... I don't like. I think. I mean, I do. I let me. I I do like really dark films too. No, I do too. Because as we were talking about in our Krampus episode, I love the fact that it's such a dark ending. Because yeah. you don't ever get that. But I think, I think, I if I think people expect brevity when it comes to an action film, you don't mm. want just flat out seriousness all the time. You want some comedy. I think, even though, like for instance, I lo- when it comes to like James, okay, perfect example. 
Big Bond fan. Love James Bond, James Bond films. My perfect Bond films are dark, less gadget-oriented, more grounded in reality. However, they still gotta have a little bit of humor in them. Which is, like, great about, like, Casino Royale. Which mm. makes that, like, a really... Works really well. Running Bond across film. rooftops and jumping over... It's got great action. Yeah. It's a good story. Well acted. It hits all the right action notes. So Daniel Craig has got the right amount of, like dry humor in there that works perfectly. Mm. And that's what makes like that a great film. And same thing with uh like Skyfall too. To like use the Daniel Craig or you know versions. And then like if I like um if I go back to like the Connery films like from Russia with Love. It's a great cuz it's like the most real Bond film that Connery did. That was more like rooted in just reality compared to when you get to like you only live twice and you got fucking volcano layers and evil you know, Donald Pleasant's petting a cat. <laughs> you know, you still have that ground in reality, but he does have those great little quick quips that add brevity to what's going on. So, it's it's, it's nice. It's, uh, I, yeah. think, I think it's something, you know. I mean, do you think that Die Hard now does suffer from a few unintentionally funny sequences, though? Um, in the style of Walker, Texas Ranger, which we watch clips of from, the, from Conan's lever? Um, yeah, I think the unintentional, or maybe it is intentional, like, stereotypical, like, 80s inner city black man, you know? Yeah, I would say that one of the biggest things about Die Hard that people will not like watching it now is that it's very politically incorrect. It is a film that which does it, struggle with that sort does, of thing, see, that which is of the time. I, know. I mean, let's give it that. No, I mean, like, 88, that, not really... I mean, that stuff doesn't bother me, but it's... That, no, it doesn't bother me. But if, no, no, I, I agree. I know where you're going, but to me, it's more like, it's something I can point at and just, like, laugh. Like, man, like, looking at that now, that's really, yeah, it looks, really stupid. Yeah, it looks yeah. ridiculous, but it, again, we have to think of it in a time capsule, too. Mm-hmm. Like, 1988. Yeah, it was totally cool to smoke in your office building. Like, that's fine. That's smoke the, on a plane. Be an asshole on a plane. Carry a gun on a plane. Yeah, yeah. carry a gun <laughs> on a plane. That's totally fine. No it's one okay. twice at you. It's okay. Well, no, the guy did look at him, yeah, but yeah. he's like, don't worry, I'm a cop. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I was sitting there saying, like, why is he carrying his gun? Is he on duty? He's not on now, duty. Now, if a cop is carrying a gun on a plane, everybody is concerned. Because no get... one can trust a, a cop with a gun anymore. They um, won't be getting on the plane. That's right. That's right. Um, but, yeah, like, things like that. Uh, pregnant lady drinking, which someone else mentioned in a comment on the Die Hard, on, when we were watching Die Hard. Uh, t- totally not acceptable now, but in the 80s... Hey, cocaine use. Yeah, everybody's fine. Yeah, cocaine. <laughs> co- that co- the cocaine use though is almost at, like I think it's parody, like a parody there of like eighty. Yeah, yeah exactly. Shit. Like Scarface and shit like that, which uh, makes with sense. The pink sky I know, behind with, him. I know. What I was gonna say with the uh, that makes sense because that totally reminds me of like. Um, have you seen you seen Scarface, right? Yeah. So you like you know when he's like in the dealership, he, uh, he's talk. Uh, Tony's sitting there talking to Frank. He's getting ready to kill him. Yeah. And you know he's got the fucking skyline like right, wallpaper. Exactly. That's like what you. That's you what know. you've got in this film. Except it's supposed to be you know it's it's like literally a pink mm-hmm. sky behind him as he's doing cocaine and flipping out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It does seem in here like a parody of those films of like you know this is this was the epitome of yeah. the eighties because we're actually in eighty eight we're moving out of that time really. And of of the heavy cocaine yeah. use of of things like that. So, um, 
it's it is funny I, and i think some of it is intentional but yes a lot of it is politically incorrect uh the entirety of the beginning of the film where john mcclain is really he's he's grousing about how he's got to come to los angeles to meet with holly because you know she has gone off and just done her thing as a woman and doing pursuing a career uh while it's amazing they're not divorced either exactly that they're still married and yeah um i mean that whole thing that is definitely an issue with Die Hard is that it doesn't really – it it does and it doesn't. It, in the beginning, I think it probably is a little bit intentional that we're supposed to see John McClane as kind of an asshole who doesn't really understand the workings of, like, what his wife wants. To be fair, to play devil's – I'm, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second, though. To be fair, it's kind of a big decision. When, it like, a big decision. If, okay, so, like, she's got a job offer in, like, L.A., and he's, like, a, you know, he's rooted in, like, New York City as a cop. Probably got a big pension going on right now for, like, how, he said, what, 12, 11 years he's yeah. on, you know, force? That's a big decision on who's got, you got to decide who's yeah. going to sacrifice. So I can, I can understand what, why both of them would be, you know. It's true. Pulling one way. What doesn't make sense to me, though, is if that's the case and they're both pulling, you know, like, well, I can't leave because I got to stay in New York and do my thing as a cop. And you have to leave because you got this job, you know, um, if that's the case, then, yeah, they should, probably should have gotten a divorce instead of, you know. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, it does seem like in the beginning of the film that they really don't have any in- sort of interaction. Just kids. Yeah. It's just the kids. The kids are in the picture. And not, not only that, when they say set up, not like, oh, dad's coming home, you know. Mm. Oh, get the guest bed ready for him. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, it's strange would be if if you still loved your husband, you wouldn't, you know, or your spouse or whatever, you wouldn't be like, oh. Nah, you'd be breaking the bed. That night. I know, like, I, I can't believe he's home! I haven't seen you in months, you know? No, she's probably fucking her boss. <laughs> well, not not Mr. Takagi, I mean, the other guy. Not, I guess he's not really a boss, he's more of a co-worker. Uh, well, no, because she's the second in charge. Yeah, yeah, we, right. That's so why, they, that's why they, when he gets shot, they yeah. people are asking her for help. Not Takagi, but I mean the... The, cr- the cokehead. The cokehead, yeah. Okay. I don't even remember his name at this point, but... Uh, I think it was Harry. Yeah. That's Harry. Could be, yeah. Um, But... Yeah, I just, I did, I did take issue with that. I think that there is some, some of that going on, especially when he kind of makes light of her working situation. Uh, come to the coast, you know, we'll have a fun time. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I do think that it's also it is an intentional thing to, you know, make his character progress throughout. Mm. This is, and it well. I don't think it technically is, actually. I was going to say this is a, a, a woman in refrigerator story, but it's not. Because throughout most of the film, John isn't really working to save Holly. It's more so to just fucking survive, for one thing. And thwart the terrorists. And thwart, yeah. And it's like almost like it's his duty. It's a duty to to uh, kill these terrorists and take them out instead of you know allowing them to get away with the money. Um, so I I almost was I was gonna say that it is a woman in a refrigerator story, but it's not because he's not really technically working to save his wife until the very end of the film because mm-hmm. she's very much. She's I, in I'm, the actually, I'm actually I'm actually rethinking my stance on it now because she's actually in control for a lot of the film. She's in control when she asks. Hans Gruber for what she wants. 
And then even at the end of the film, she's in control. Despite being taken hostage. Because she's not really in any danger. And she doesn't really seem like she's that frightened. You know, she's... she Yeah, she's been taken hostage. And there's not really anything that she can do about it. So it's not like she got herself into the predicament. So... I think I take back what, how I feel about that. I think it's I think it's intentional that John is supposed to find out what he values. That he values his wife. Exactly. Interesting. <laughs> mm, indubitably. Yeah. Thought provoking. <laughs> um. What else you got? Um, I know you want to talk about some of the the gaffes, the uh, errors, like weaponry. Oh. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not certain, but I'm pretty sure I just find it funny that, um, McLean's carrying around an M9 Beretta. I'm pretty sure, uh, New York City cops aren't issued, especially mm. in the 80s, a Beretta. Not only that, but he, he uh, actually shoots too many bullets. Well, that that's to be expected in all, actually. Yeah. But that is a pet peeve of mine. Just like, you, like, watch, and you're like... Yeah, you fired too many shots, John. You fired like twenty shots before <laughs> reloading. Uh, that doesn't have that. I mean, I mean, I'll yeah. That that's always a minor pet peeve for yeah. mine. Um, it's definitely not anything that gets my panties in a bunch. It's more something that I laugh at and say, "Come on, be smart about it." If you yeah. can't, if you can't make it work, then you know, then don't do it. Don't do it. Um, I do like the fact that uh, Hans' main henchman, Carl, is running around with a Steyr Og. That's cool. That's yeah. like the first time I think anyone really gets to see what the hell that thing is. Uh, now, you know, it's pretty a, it's a pretty popular assault rifle now in like modern shooters, but I think that's pretty cool. It's like, oh, yeah. I think I, I can imagine seeing that in like the 80s, and if you're not like familiar with like guns and stuff, being like, oh, yeah. like what the hell is that thing? Well, I certainly wouldn't have picked it out. Looks badass. What do you think of the stunts in this film? Really good. Yeah, I think everything good. is pretty well choreographed in this. Um, I think, and not only that, I think you only get like one totally ridiculous action scene. That's at the end with the jumping off the building. Yeah, because as we talked about that explosion, shoot it, as the film shows it. With the explosion, like actually ballooning out from the top of the building, would have sent John McClane into the other side of Los Angeles. There's no way that he jumped off of the building, attached to a rubber fire hose, and not get thrown because of that explosion. There's just no way. I don't, I, I, the physics of it, they don't, they don't match up for me. And I think that was one of my biggest problems with that scene. Yeah, I know. As I said, he'd be uh, blown off and, you know, thrown to, like, Ventura Boulevard. Yeah. And just splat. Like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't buy that, that jump. But at the same time, it does look cool. <laughs> it looks real cool. Not uh, only that, there's no, this is made in the late 80s. There's no CGI. No. So it's great. That one explosion when he's um down on the thirtieth floor where the party was again, but the roof explosion went off and you see the building sh- like you know the building shaking because of the explosion. You can literally see the soundstage mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they shut that on like shaking. It's like <laughs> it's 
it's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's like, oh, you know. One of the other things that I thought was really funny was that they fly their helicopters, like, right on those Los Angeles streets. They're, like, inches away from the streetlight. It's like, that is totally unnecessary. Nakatomi Plaza is, like, 35 stories tall. It, you do not need to be flying your helicopter they're bu- on the streets. They're buzzing down like they're fucking Apache helicopters, yeah. like getting ready to, you know, that's a needless send, send a rocket attack in like Somalia. That's like, a needless <laughs> risk for like some haphazard guy wa- walking on the street in Los Angeles and like getting buzz yeah. cut by a going, helicopter. Some guy going for his like nightly constitutional <laughs> run and fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Getting buzz cut. Fucking. So. <laughs> Makes, it made me think of, like, when I played Battlefield 3 and I was, like, a, a, a helicopter pilot. Yeah. Just, like, flying in the American Viper. I would always, like, if I was getting ready for an attack run, I would always fly and buzz low yeah, like hovering that. hovering low. To, like, gain, like, so much speed and momentum. But it's, uh, it was, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's funny because it, Granted, that might be what they do. I've never been to L.A. That very well could Maybe be like... that's what they do. A I common don't... occurrence in L.A. Like, oh, what the hell is going on? Oh, just the police yeah. are flying over. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Um, I think, though, this, this film is a lot of fun to watch because of those sequences, though. The ones that make you go, hmm, you know, I don't know if they'd really do that. But I'm going to buy it in this film. I, I, I think most things, except the last thing, are kind of really in the realm of believability. There's I a- think all of John McClane's action sequences, besides the fact that like he he doesn't take a bullet until the end of the film, mm. I think I think yeah, those could po- could potentially work. I think you could have a guy who is very attuned to like danger and being in secret in you know the, these types of sequences. Although being a New York City cop, I don't know how often you are in like a terrorist attack where like <laughs> you're swarmed with like twelve terrorist but <laughs> but at the same time you know i can believe it that they he's been in at least like test runs of the, these scenarios where yes he may be able to put together like i need to de- deactivate the elevator i need to do this that's that's just smarts and um you know i i, I think that that's believable um i don't believe that yeah with all those assault rifles he, and he's getting shot by you know at them he's not that he doesn't it, yeah. take Take a bullet at least once, especially but, seeing as they're a well-trained, uh, yeah, like a well, well-trained, like well squadron yeah. of, yeah, oh, God, yeah. I don't believe I, that, but oh, we forgot to mention the whole part when they're breaking into the Nakatobi Plaza, and the one guy is standing by the elevator, the one security guard mm. is kind of walking around. The guy that's running around taking down the security guards is using a silenced pistol because he already shot the the guy that's sitting at the front desk. Yeah, yeah. already shot him in the face. And he sees that there's this guy standing by the elevator waiting. Not even facing him. Not even, yeah, not even facing him. So instead of, like, just coming up from behind him silently, like, like knocking him out or shooting him in the back of the head, you know, what's he do? He throws a fucking flashbang. Yeah. I thought at first it was, like, a puck. Yeah, it like, does look like, 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 a, like a hockey like, puck like, to like get his attention yeah. or something. Yeah. But no, it's a fucking, it ends up being a flashbang, and then he just, he puts three bullets into him. It's like, you made that more complicated. Yeah, it is really complicated. And, and, yeah. and that, to me, was, like, really, like... Now, just, if there's, like, four guards, I can see throwing a flashbang in there yeah. and, like, disorienting them. But one dude who's not paying attention, <laughs> he's, like, clipping his nails. <laughs> yeah, I think you're good with just sneaking up on him and putting a bullet in his head. Especially seeing as he didn't hear the other guy get yeah, shot. Yeah, exactly, right? It was a silenced pistol. Probably thought a potato was getting stabbed <laughs> or something. I don't know. Yeah. I, 
that you know but again those are scenes that you laugh at and you have fun with this isn't a film that that you watch and you're like this is just so bad this is like a, a fun entertaining action movie it it doesn't get much more entertaining than that but i will agree with you when you said in the beginning of this podcast that you thought you know some fans of like new action that are accustomed to like action all the time like you know, there's got to be something. There's got to be martial arts. There's got to be, like, people getting kicked in the head all the time. They're not going to like Die Hard as much. Because it's it doesn't slower. have that. It has, it, slow, it is, it has yeah. a much slower bit. Granted, though, I mean, I hate to go back to it, but, like, Suicide Squad, Batman v Superman, they're very fucking slow. Well, yeah. To the point of tedium. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, again, it's all about having a balance. Yeah. Um... We, talked, we didn't talk about the soundtrack yet. Fucking goes on the entire film. Yeah. All one hour. There is constantly a soundtrack. All two hours and ten minutes of this film. There's no moments of silence in this. Mm-mm. So as I was telling you, whoever composed the soundtrack for this should have gotten a fucking big ass check. Because he literally composed three films in this. But I think that it does help Die Hard because it does make it seem like more tense and chaotic like throughout the whole film i do think there's moments though where you you don't need a soundtrack yeah there's definitely moments where like they would have been better off just letting the scene kind of play out on because at some points i mean again there's there's nothing bad about die hard score no there's nothing great about it either i mean i think i think i think it's i think it's actually pretty pretty mediocre to me i think the best part of the die hard score is when it incorporates the the christmas themes in it like when it has like the the jingle bells that are going on mm-hmm. as like a tense sort of like when the when there's a standoff because mm-hmm. like I said in the surround sound I could fucking hear jingle bells in my left ear like very very chaotically and I think that does work for this film because it it buys into that theme of like this is a Christmas Eve movie um, but I think yeah the rest of it you know like violin swells and stuff like that it's really not that memorable uh, and um very yeah I think I think the score is very just mediocre. It's just there, yeah. and I think because of that, again, I, there's scenes where y- you don't need to have, you know. But music. at least, again, coming back to Suicide Squad, at least it's not like playing off of like we need to have like the biggest '70s soundtrack. Well, that's imaginable. Well, again, that's that's more because of fucking Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, and that's yeah. all. That's Guardians of the Galaxy shtick, is you know to have, and it works in that film in Suicide Squad. You're left thinking, like, why? Because they did it because of Cardi. Just, yeah, just okay. why? But this is cringy. Well, to be fair, no, we got fucking Run DMC's uh, Christmas in House. And then we also got fucking, like, three times over Stevie <laughs> Wonder Skeletons. And all I could think of was, like, a GTA 5 chair. Like, Skeletons in your closet. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. boom but again, though, that works in context. It no, no, in it, context. no, it does. But every time I hear Skeletons now, I think of, like, the one, like, GTA 5 trailer, like, same thing like when I hear like uh, Kendrick Lamar's like because uh, the hood go in love. I think of Franklin's like specific character trailer for GTA Five. Like you ain't gonna like because the hood go in love. <laughs> All right, so what do you? Uh, what about the actors in here? Um, well, Reginald Bell Johnson steals the show. He's the, he's the one that gets a lot of the uh, the funny parts. He gets to uh, um, reverse. Like incredibly far, way too far until he backs down a slope. That's great. That is actually a really great, like, funny moment. That's like so beyond like yeah, 
Like, I believe mean, like so beyond believable. I think it's no, it's it's literally hilarious. Like it's, I, I mean, I think it's intentional though, because the the first time we meet Powell, he's supposed to be seem bumbling. like a, yeah, bumbling because he's buying thirty fucking things of Twinkies <laughs> like, and Twinkies and honey cakes. Or whatever. And, yeah, and the guy that he's ringing him up, and the guy's like, "Really?" Because I said the same thing, like, "Really? Yeah. Who the fuck buys that many Twinkies?" And the guy, the guy ringing him up, is like, "I thought donuts were your thing." And he's like, oh, it's for my wife. And the guy's like, really? And he's like, she's pregnant. And he's like, really? I, yeah, th- I thought I thought that was funny. But... He's like, yeah. 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 But... Uh, yeah, no, but I think, yeah, I think you're supposed to find him a little bit bumbling. And, and even in that scene, because at that point, you haven't really seen him do anything as a cop. But at the same time, man, once, like, shit really starts getting down, and he's constantly having those, you know, talks with, uh... Bruce Willis having the talks. He's uh, he's very smart. And, yeah, like, yeah, and competent. And obviously knows more than his commander in chief there. Yeah, his the, uh, police chief. Police chief, which is played by the one and only Paul Gleason, who, by God, it's like he literally walked off the set of Breakfast Club. <laughs> and again, I I almost feel like every role the man's ever been he's been typecasted like you're, you're gonna play smarmy dickhead middle class asshole number three yeah pretty much and he does it so well so I mean and I love that at the end like after like all the things that he was saying to like you know to do and they weren't working and he's like kind of like oh shit oh. oh like we're gonna have to cut the power to the building and they're like you can't do it it's Christmas Eve and they cut the power and he's like oh I really should get the mayor on the <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah I'm like oh they're gonna yell at me for that I thought, you know, it's really great. I think he's great, too. Um, though he is, if you're not familiar with him and some of his other roles, you'll probably be like, oh, wow, he's, you know, just an asshole. But yeah. That's what he, you know. He, that's what he's known for. He, he, he does. plays a very good stereotypical pompous asshole. Um, Bruce Willis. Um, I will, I'm not the biggest Bruce Willis fan. I'm not going to lie. He's great in Die Hard, though. Yeah. I, um, and I think, um... Yeah, because out of, like, all the films I can think of off the top of my head that he's in, I don't really, like, think he's ever that great. Sixth Sense, I think he's pretty good in. I think he's okay. I think he's pretty good in that one. I, I'm still not the biggest fan of Sixth Sense. Hmm. Maybe it's because when I was eight years old, I fucking figured out the plot twist. I'm like, he's gonna be dead. I mean, I think that he's he's good in that one. Try to think of the other films that oh, I've seen him in. Now I think about Unbreakable, he's good in. Yeah, he's good in Unbreakable. I mean, the he other, ought to be. The other good M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he ought to be because he's pretty much one of the only characters besides Samuel L. Jackson mm. that's in it. Um. So, um, but other than that, yeah. I mean, I can't. Besides he's, the Die Hard series. I was going to say, because he's terrible in Armageddon. But then it's, again, again, but, it, but I mean, then again, that is an overwrought film. That, like, no one can shine in that. Maybe we no should, one. Maybe we should do a Michael Bay month. Yeah, I mean that is just completely overwrought to the point where, like, if you give that part to anybody, no one is gonna be able to pull that off effectively because it's just so over the top and dramatic. And who would have thought Ben Affleck would have had a career after that? Movie? When you have Aerosmith. I hate that song to this day. When you have Aerosmith as a main piece of your soundtrack, and Liz, Liv Tyler, you know that you are going to be way over the limit for like <laughs> what people can actually. You know, now, you ex- think, now that you know, I think about it too, with that film getting a little off track. Now that I think about that film, man, it's a. 
goddamn shame Steve Buscemi's in that film. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's he is good in it, but good lord, like, ugh. Steve, why do you do this to yourself? He ha- like he ruins his like acting career at points. I mean, he he's, trust me, he's got a great acting career. But you look at some of the things he's been in because he's been in, like every Adam Sandler film under the sun, and you're like Steve, I know, but why? That's true. Why? I think why? that he... they're remaking Death Wish. Yeah, they are post production. Oh no! I, th- I think that no. No, bro, only broad. No, only, Easy. no. You haven't seen Death Wish. No, we're Easy. gonna we're gonna have to do Death Easy. Wish then. Oh my I'm god. Tr- I'm trying to think of some other stuff that I remember. You know, B- Bruce Willis in playing terror. Yeah. No. I mean, he's okay in that. I don't know. Oh yeah, Moonrise Kingdom. He's bl- not good. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> he's in. Uh, what am I thinking of? Sin City. I think he's pretty good in that. Never actually saw. Oh. Um, I think he's pretty good in that. Um, so, I mean, I think he's hit or miss, definitely. I think he's hit or miss. But I think Die Hard is where he really shines. I can't say I've seen any of the Expendables, so I don't know like how he holds up as an action hero in those films. You know what? I actually haven't either, even though I have wanted to see like all the Expendables, because they look like they'd be... So much like fun. Like, 80s action Because it'd be so fun. much fun, because yeah. they're t- so tongue-in-cheek. Like, they know, like, hey, this is going to be fucking, right. a, you know. You know you're going in to watch a fucking B-movie action film. You're not... That's got... It was given a good budget. Um, also, I mean, again, Alan, the great late Alan Rickman. Fantastic. As He's great. Rickman. He's great. He's... Yeah. Like I said... And we talked about it a little bit before, but he has that dual personality of he can be really, he can be menacing, but he can also be, you know, comedic too. I think it, I think it works here. Yeah, I, I do love like the line where he's got uh, Nagatomi with him. Uh, not to, no, Nagatomi, that's the building. Uh, Tagaki, right? Tagagi, yeah. Tagagi. My bad, my Japanese isn't that good. Uh, but he's got, he's taking Takagi and he's talking, he's like, oh, you got that suit. I, I have two of those suits. It's a really nice suit. And he's like talking to him and, and he's just like, like giving pleasantries. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry that you're bored by my pleasantries, but all right, if you want to cut the business, let's cut the business. Uh, what's the password? <laughs> and just like how he shifts from, you know, being like, you know, trying to barter with him and he's being nice and pleasant and then when he's not getting what he wants, you know, he's he does become menacing. Mm. When he doesn't, you know, the guy's, uh, he's trying to tell him that he's not going to get any information from him. There's nothing he can do. He, you know, gets rid of him. He's like, alright, you're not helping me? Then I don't need you then. And then uses his, uh, his death as a means to, you know, kind of scare all the hostages. Like, this is what's going to happen too. Um, if you don't cooperate. And I love the line, too, when he says, he won't be joining us for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a gr- that's good. That's a great line. That is good. Um, other than, other than, like, again, the, grand, the film is basically, it, it is Bruce Willis, Reginald Bell Johnson, and mm-hmm. Alan Rickman. Outside of those three, and Paul Gleason to an extent, outside of them, mm-hmm. I think everyone else is pretty, is just there. I, not The henchmen are... Uh, yeah, they, of, they are very much cookie cutter, like Bond villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. like just uh, guys, uh, like, or like you could label them as like quote unquote like just foreign guys. You know what I mean? They could in the credits they could need, all be listed as 
foreign all guys. You, all you need is Michael Caine from Goldmember going like, Do you know how many countless henchmen I've killed? Look at you. You don't even have a name tag. You don't stand a chance. Like, all of those guys are just, like, members of Dream Theater or something like that. You know, <laughs> they put into the film. Like, yeah, you, know, you want to part as a henchman? Sure. I yeah. um, uh, just got to have long hair. Um, I think that um, Bonnie Bedelia as Holly, she is very much, for the most part, the just a generic 80s wife character. Because you... You find that a lot as like the the permed wife character, the permed woman character. She is as wooden as wooden gets. I think so. She, I don't, I don't like her at all. I, I honestly think you could have cast like, I mean, Grant, they, she doesn't get much to do to begin with, but man, they could have just she. Ah, oh, I, I. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't like. I just, I like I said, I don't, I don't like her. I don't think she's. She doesn't add anything to the film. Mm. Like when she's like, like, oh, why is he like when the one henchman comes, when Carl comes down, he's pissed off because, you know, John McClane's still alive. And he's smashing like the bull with his rifle. And the one lady's like, man, he must be pissed off with that great line delivery. She's Bonnie Chip chimes in like, it's John. Only John can make somebody that angry. Yeah. It's like, wow. What, you know. How stirring. While you're at it, throw in Jurassic Park's like theme. Like, like after that to like build the emotion that. I will say, because I forgot, Clarence Gilliard Jr. as uh, Theo, the computer hacker for Hans. I do like him too. He's great. You only like him because he's in Walker, Texas Ranger. He does have some funny lines too. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I will agree with you there. He does have, yeah, he, no, he does have some, like, I do like the line where he's like, all right, you guys ready for us? Twas the night before Christmas and all was, you know, four assholes are coming around the back. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. that was pre-Christmas Vacation too. Cause that's a, that's a very similar line to Christmas Vacation, which was our last episode of the Festival mm-hmm. series, uh, where he, where he's doing the night before Christmas and he says, you know, at, and I see, uh, a man in his bathrobe with a <laughs> bow tied around his head. Uh, you know that that's right out of that too. So yeah, this was this was pre Christmas vacation. And again, what's wrong with Walker Texas Ranger? It's great. You need to watch it. Oh, well, I have they seen need, some. They need to put it on Netflix. I've absolutely seen some. I have. My mom was a big fan of Walker. Remember, I remember when Hody used to sing the theme song. Yeah, it's great. The eyes of a ranger. <laughs> Um. So yeah, I think I think we hit all the actors really. Yeah. No, like yeah, like I said, the, the ones that it, are. It's mainly a, it's mainly a three man show. Yes, that's, that's um, right. You think this is Reginald Bell Johnson's best best acting role? Oh well, yeah. I mean, I think it's probably the one. I mean, besides Family Matters, where. Obviously, he was the father. He's you know. See, I never like. I never member. liked Family Matters, and it's all because like Urkel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand Urkel's not supposed to be li- likable, but I never. Yeah, I never cared for Family Matters. Though I did like Reginald Bell Johnson. I thought he was you know. Yeah, but everyone else in the show just annoyed the living hell out. Again, of me. though, like Reginald Bell Johnson has pretty much been typecast throughout his career. Is this before like Family? Before Family? This is before Family Matters. Yes, but. He's been typecast pretty much as, like, cop, judge, some sort of, like, authority mm-hmm. figure. Or, which I've seen uh, of late, like a, a priest. Like a... Huh. Yeah. 
So, but I mean, yeah, he. I think he pretty much shows up as the same sort of character, character every time. Because they even in like Fake, uh, well, that fits with Paul Gleason then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, even in, in like Family Matters, he's kind of a bubbling, bumbling. No, cop. he is a bumbling cop. From what I remember, yeah. I uh, know he's definitely, but he does have some sort of authority in ho- in the house. I well, mean, yeah, but he's all and, he, and he's also he's a lovable. I mean, goof. This, he's a lovable goof. If it's been ten years since I've seen Die Hard, it's been twenty since yeah, twenty since I've seen Family Matters. But um, why isn't that, why aren't they getting renewed for a Netflix sequel? Why is Full House getting? I don't think what I think it's because they're black. No, I'm I'm joking about that. I I hope I'm joking about that. Because um, Full House is awful. Right, no, and I think Family Matters is the probably the same s- style of awful. Because it is that sort of like, this is so cloyingly like... Annoying. Yeah, and annoying and, and cheesy. And I think it's the same, I think it's the same style. So I, you know, y- you should probably not say that because Netflix is listening and they're saying, you know what, that's right. Reginald Vell Johnson, he's not really doing anything right well, now. Yeah, well, we well, we you know can what? absolutely no. Get him what back. they need to do is make sure the new season of House of the Cards doesn't suck. Same thing with Orange <laughs> is the New Black. Because I'm telling you, I love both Orange is the New Black and House of Cards, but the last season of House of Cards wasn't that good, and the one before that was okay. And Orange is the New Black last season, like two seasons, have been very meh too. Yeah, yeah. I, so got, I gotta they, say, we haven't finished Orange is the New Black yet. The the most recent season. You're not missing out be- that much because it's it's very slow. We're like in the middle of it, and I don't really see any reason yeah, to go on. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no. I agree. They need they. We're, this, off, this, yeah. we're way off time. But yes, I I think that Family Matters is the same amount of cheesy, corny as Family is a uh, um uh Full House and. I would. I'll be honest and say that I would check out a couple episodes of a of a rebooted Family Matters. If I would, they got the same people back. I would more than Full House because I never. Yeah, Full, exactly. ha- Full yeah. House pissed me off. I definitely didn't watch Fuller House, but I would check out Family or Matters. <laughs> there's a there's the title. Maybe Family or Matters. Maybe Full, Fuller House got started because they found out Dave Coulier was living on the side of the road, <laughs> and like man, like it started as like a GoFundMe, and, and Bob Saget hadn't had a stand up. Since his roast. <laughs> Live. <laughs> yeah, since his roast. Because yeah. people found out he actually does dirty comedy. Yeah. Talks about, like, does, like, aristocrat yeah, jokes. All they knew him from was, like, oh, he's the nice dad and family man. And he's, you know. And, and he did America's Funniest Home Videos. I love his kids. I love the South Park thing. Like, uh, guess what? I'm Bob Saget. Uh, <laughs> knock, knock. N- none of the crowd says anything. Is who's there? Bob. Bob Saget. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nobody laughs except, like, one guy. It's <laughs> great. So, out of ten explosions. Oh, you're doing this now. I normally do the ratings. Yeah, no, I want to. You see. can't. You can't fucking steal my role here. It's the fifth. It's the fiftieth fiftieth show. I was, about say, <laughs> I was about to say fiftieth anniversary, but no, it is for fifty years. But fiftieth uh, show. So I guess I'll take the reins on this one. Right. Uh, ten gigantic explosions. What would you give Die Hard? Um, I would give it a eight explosions. Eight explosions out of ten. I'll give it eight and a half. Eight and a half. And you know what? Um, I know a lot of people consider this to be the greatest action film ever made. I'm going to say it right now. It's not. I'm gonna dis. Yeah, I'm gonna disagree with that because I can easily. Because when I think about it, it's not even like a question for me anymore. What's the greatest action film ever made? It's Mad Max Fury Road. Hands down. That's going to be controversial. Good. 
<laughs> Get people talking. As again, I I love Die Hard. I think as a not just as an action film or a film of the eighties, it still stands up well. It's well done. The people that you do need to care about in this film, you care about, and they're all you know well acted and portrayed. The action in this film is very good, and it's not in a over. I mean, at times, it, I mean, with like some of the blood effects, it's kind of like over the top. Like, but that's the eighties. But it's not anything like totally ridiculous. Where it's like Rambo four, and you got you know, yeah. just shit exploding everywhere. Um, yeah, it's I, it's, it's like it's entertaining. It's well paced. It doesn't. I mean. Again, besides those like few times where you're like, okay, you really don't need to be talking about to original Vell Johnson right now. Um, it is very well paced. It doesn't feel like an over two hour film, and it's really good. It's enjoyable, and I can obviously see why they would pump out more of these because it's it's an easy formula, and it's yeah. you know easy again because you can now it's one successful. You could go back and again what they did with Die Hard too, do the same damn film, but just amp up the action like how can we which i which is a problem in of itself because then you get into the thing like okay this is so good now how do we we're gonna do the same formula but how then do we make it better we're gonna expand on it yeah yeah but yeah i mean i agree it's not the best action film ever but i'm not prepared to say what is i i don't really know if i I don't really have one that i think is the best action film not prepared to say that. I think he's. Good. I think I'm going to speak for you. You're going to say Fury Road. I really like Fury Road. I think it has a great balance of action and like in bursts, like very much like furious bursts of action. Um, is it the best action movie? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that, so I I can't say. Um, but you can refer to our other episode on Mad Max Fury Road, which we've done previously. I mean, I, don't, I know we haven't reviewed it, too, but I'd put The Road Warrior up there, too. Yeah, I mean... Even though, even though like, again, Fury Road basically is a better Road Warrior. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just... I'm not prepared to say what I think is the best episode, because I, I don't... I don't know. I, I, I just don't... I don't know. So, I'll leave it at that. But I don't think Die Hard is the best action movie. No. I don't. Maybe Army of Darkness? No, I don't think that's an action movie, <laughs> period, really. Kind of is. Yeah, I mean, it is. It yeah. is it, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't quite say that it is, but... um, Anything else for Die Hard? No, but I, I, again, I, I can see why people would call this... Yeah, I, I totally understand. Actually, you know what? Now I think about it, now that I'm thinking about it, I think a lot of people, too, would say Terminator 2. I would disagree. Uh, I do really like Terminator 2. <laughs> I do really like it. I do. Patrick Stewart. Or not Patrick Stewart. Uh, Patrick. Um, why am I drawing a blank down? <laughs> Patrick. Uh, Patrick. Uh, this is great. Keep this in. <laughs> Patrick. Um, Patrick. Um, Patrick. Uh, Robert, Robert Patrick. Patrick. Gotcha. I was gotcha. waiting for that. Got it. Um, I think that's great. I think it's great. But, best action movie, again, I don't know. See, to me, it's always... Do you think it's better than Terminator? Terminator 2? Do you think Terminator 2 is better than the Terminator? No. 
I'm like one of the few people, but I will say I, I like I like, and I've talked about before. You like a killer Terminator is a. Well, no, because we talked about it when we t- did way back on episode two. Uh, Terminator Salvation. Uh, no, not Salvation. Or Genesis. I always do that. I don't know why I do that. <laughs> I haven't even seen Terminator Salvation. I don't know why I do that. Uh, Terminator Genesis. No. Um, I like I like Terminator 1 more than I like Terminator 2 because I like the fact that it's more of a horror film. I like the fact that it's more cold and brooding and... That is true. That it's that yeah. it's not. I, I, again, because they are two different films. Terminator One is a horror film. Terminator Two is an action film. And I like with Aliens, Alien versus Alien. Aliens is a horror film. Aliens is a fucking action film. Yeah, also done by James Cameron. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I like. Uh, yeah, no, I'm. I'm like. I know most people would say. Terminator 2 is better. I like Terminator 1 more. Cause I, I think it's hard to compare the two, to be honest with well, you. Well, no, again, because they are two yeah, different. they're very different. But very I like, different. But I do enjoy the Terminator more, just because I like what it is. It's a, I honestly find that the Terminator is more akin to, like, the 80s style of, like... Slasher. Grindhouse slash sci-fi slash... Yeah, slash... It's a sli- yeah. It, essentially, it is a slasher film, but yeah. instead of using a knife or a sword, he's using a gun. Yeah, I mean I think that is more of a what you would find in the 80s for like a grindhouse style of film and then Terminator 2 is a lot more polished and a lot more I like the roughness s- of Terminator. I like right, I, right, I, right, I love yeah, the yeah. fact that it's, you know, very Yeah. No, I agree. I, that's a tough one. And that's a that's a topic, a whole other topic for another podcast. You know, I forgot too. We'll do. I can't believe I forgot this one too. RoboCop Robocop's another good one. That's another great action film. Starship Troopers. We'll have to do them all. We should do a Paul Verhoeven one. Because <laughs> then, you know what that means? We get to do Showgirls. Yeah. Have you seen Showgirls? Yeah. Good. A long time ago. Because <laughs> it's great. <coughs> Excuse me. He's all hot and bothered That's by right. Showgirls. Woo! Woo! Jesse on caffeine. <laughs> uh, and something harder. <laughs> Um, all right, so we'll end this podcast episode. This is the end of our Festivus series because, sadly, Christmas has come to a close. Can't go on forever. I love Christmas. I wish it did come go on forever. Well, no, because then if that happened, then all the f- uh, fairies in the universe wouldn't have their powers. And only, That's true. And only Santa would. And That's true. And then also, if it was always Christmas, we'd always have to do Christmas movies and we'd soon run out. So we've got more. And nobody would to go do. to work. Nobody yeah, would go to work except we, emergency services. Hey, and the economy would come to a standstill and the bad. world as we know it would crush. And the Soviet Russia would finally take over America. Fortunately, though, we have a lot more movies to cover for next year's Festival series. So that's always a good thing. Like Silent Night, Deadly Night 3. That's right. We still have three more of those oh, movies. Oh, my. I can't believe that. So that'll be fun. Um, we also have the Black Xmas remake I don't know if I can do that with um I couldn't handle the, my bloody valentines uh 3D you know what when I think about it, I almost want to I'm, what I'm going to do on my own I'm going to do on my own I'm going to watch my bloody valentine come uh valentine's day the original and I'm not going to watch 3D but I'll probably watch the uh the original and be like, man this is a lot better than I remember. That's right. You this, should. This is great. You should. This is great. Maybe that's how you can. That's how you got to get people into horror. 
Like, have them watch the worst stuff? Have them watch the fucking shitty remake first. Because there's all, all these films have shitty remakes. Mm-hmm. Have them watch the shitty remake and then have them watch the original. And then, you know what, they'll be like, oh, yeah. Then they'll appreciate it for what it is. Unless they're an idiot going, I mm-hmm. thought Halloween by Rob Zombie was better than the, uh, John Carpenter's. Yeah, and you might have that, too. You never then know. you punch them. <laughs> then you punch them in the face. Because <laughs> that's not even an opinion. That's just wrong. That's factually wrong. Mm. I can't believe they're remaking Death Wish, though. God damn. Mm. Does Hollywood know no bounds? They don't. Uh, so now is our administrative time. So if you already subscribe and stuff like that, you don't need to listen. But for those who don't, we are on iTunes. Uh, just search for us, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Subscribe to us uh, so that you get all of our most recent episodes. And also give us a nice rating because it helps us get noticed and things like that. We really appreciate it. Um, we are on SoundCloud, which is where our episodes go up first. And you can uh, follow us on there and like our stuff and repost it and stuff like that. So follow us on SoundCloud. Uh, we have our own websites, Blood and Black Rum Podcast, .wordpress.com. We haven't sprung for a full domain yet because it costs money, man. costs money. We already pay for hosting, so it's, it's not in the cards right now. Uh, but you can you can follow us on there because it's a WordPress thing, and you can you can follow us on there. You can get all of our latest updates. We 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 definitely post everything on there as well. We have a Facebook, facebook.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Obviously, like us and you know all that jazz. We have a Twitter. It's Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Changing things up a little bit. I try to post on there at least every episode, uh, if not more. It's hard to keep up because I have another Twitter as well, but. Follow us, like us, retweet us. We really appreciate that as well. We have an email address where you can send us all kinds of stuff, like what movies you want us to see covered, or um, you know any suggestions you have for the podcast. We're all ears. It's Blood and Black Rum Podcast at gmail.com, and we like to hear from you. And finally, like I said before, we have a Patreon account. Uh, it's patreon.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. We appreciate any donations and subscriptions you send our way. We have a couple of subscription packages, so take advantage of those. Uh, remember that it is monthly payments, so you know just keep that in mind when you do your pledge. But we appreciate anything that you can throw our way. Um, thanks for listening to our Festivus series. We really appreciate it. Hope you had a good holiday season. Uh, we will be back next time with a new episode next week and i don't know it, it's a mystery what's what's on the docket bubble hotel is that what we're doing that's what we were going i mean to... we were going to do that before festivus series we didn't get a chance to well, so it just are... makes sense well we said we were going to do it. it'd be <clears throat> pretty shitty to pull the rug out from people expecting right. the next bruce campbell hit. no i agree i agree all right so we'll do bubble hotel anything after that that we've got planned maybe we need to do death wish month you did say that we would do that Especially now that Bruce Willis is going to be fucking Paul Kersey in it. Alright, All right, maybe we'll do Death Wish. So, next week we'll be doing Bubba Hotep, and the week after that, potentially a Death Wish series. So stay tuned for the Blood Micro Podcast. Thanks for listening, and have a good one. Take care.